0: We're going to talk about passing the ownership of the education of our students, your children, um, so that they take that ownership. When I deliver the message today, I'm going to deliver it as if I'm talking to a room filled with parents, because I want to have a message that you could have them sit and listen to as if I came out and, and tried to give them a word of encouragement and from my own perspective and my own experience. So, excellent. So, that's up there. That is so cool. Well, not yet. Okay. So, all right. Let's just start with a word of prayer, and then we are going to be passing ownership onto our kids, and they're going to become a part, a more integral part of their own education. Father God, We come before you, Lord, with just the tone of praise and of worship, Father. I ask, God, that you would just speak today to the hearts of parents, educators, administrators, everyone involved, Lord, in the education of the students, of the person listening, Father. Help us to see each child as your gift to us, their uniqueness. But Lord, that they are, even if they're unique in their learning style, unique in their personality, your standard is high for all of us, Father. But we can't do it on our own. We do it with your strength, with your provision, with your direction, and with your wisdom, Father. Help us to see that today. Help us to hear clearly what it is that you have for each person that is in this room right now. Father, go before us in this time. Amen. Amen. Well, my name is Robin Gammy, and I'm from the University School of Colorado Springs, Colorado Springs, Colorado. We like the word Colorado. Uh, (laughs) I um, am privileged to be a part of this school. It's starting its fifth year this year. I've been with this this school for two years, and it's just been an amazing journey. I'm the academic director there, and what a privilege! To serve our Lord in such a capacity as it is to just um, truly—you know what—I need to turn off. um, Truly enjoy um, our time with the families there and the students. You know, right now we're we're in a time where um, the students aren't on campus, and for me that's just a real um, bummer because I miss them you know, the hustle bustle, and Mrs. Gammy, you know, I caught a worm, and, you know, and look at this butterfly, he's missing a leg, and then, you know, the, the bigger kids come around and, hey, can I talk to you, you know, and it's just the coolest thing. Do you guys experience that? They come around, and they they really uh, trust us to be truthful, to be honest, and, and it's a neat, neat privilege to be able to have kids, young to older, they'll come and trust. Well, they're trusting us with not only heart issues, but their educational and academic issues, they're trusting that we're going to make the decisions that are right and good for them. Let me just give you a little bit of a window of background on myself, and I think um, for the parents that might listen to this message, it'll help them to kind of know where I'm coming from. i um, been married for 30 years to a wonderful man, forensic scientist, and thinks very scientific. And uh, we had four kids, and we homeschooled all four of our kids. Um, However, my youngest just graduated this year from the University School of Colorado Springs. And uh, that was just a joy and a privilege. And I think everyone in this room can bear witness to the fact that I still have a sparkle in my eye. I'm still smiling. I'm, (laughs) you know, I'm not bummed out, you know. (laughs) It's a joy and a privilege to educate our children to be um, able and privileged to be able to have such an intricate role uh, as we do in our kids' education. Uh, My oldest, well, we started, I should say, uh, when my oldest was in the sixth grade, then I had a fifth grader and a third grader, the very first year that we homeschooled, because they were in public school before. But here's the little sense of humor of God. He's so funny. I was also found out that we made the decision to homeschool, and I found out I was going to be pregnant with our fourth. And, you know, how exciting is that, that the Lord gives us a promise that he is with us always, that he gives us wisdom, that he gives us the strength. We don't do these things on our own because, really, I was like, okay, Lord. So I'm going to homeschool three kids and have a baby. And the Lord goes, mm-hmm, yep. Yeah. Because those are the facts, ma'am. And not only that, but my father would pass away that same year, and I would um, take on managing the accounting and running the budget for his restaurant that he had. And when he passed, also I inherited, along with my brothers who didn't want anything to do with it, um, a 364-acre soybean, corn, and wheat farm in Missouri. Okay? Okay. So I'm thinking, okay, new baby, wow, I've got, you know, the restaurant, I've got to watch the money on that, and we've got a farm now, I've got to kind of, I had Wilbur, the farmer, and um, so I've got to do that, and I wasn't feeling too good, but I I was just sure I was being just a little overwhelmed, I I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, so I thought, okay, Lord, newborn, homeschool, restaurant, and... That, that whole story with the multiple sclerosis, as you can see here, I'm in full remission, is just a story of God's grace and his healing, and I'm in complete and full remission. And someday, if you'd like, I'll come and share that story. But for today, it just shows you that God calls us to a calling of training up our children in the way that they should go, that when they are old, they will not depart from it. And he says to do that, And he gives us that with a promise that when they are old, so when they won't depart from him, take that promise and live it out. And he's called you to home educate your kids with a wonderful model of the UMS school. Guess what? He's going to sustain you, equip you, give you the grace and the wisdom. And when you fall, he's going to pick you up. And you're going to learn all over again in each day what it is to follow the Lord and say, yes, Lord, to him. I want you to remember one thing that I learned through this journey was what that scripture, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. When you study the word train in the Hebrew, it means to twist into greatness, twist into greatness. And I want you to really remember that because A little bit into this, we're going to talk about that more. But I have to tell you, the first time I ever really heard about home education, I was just sure that crazy people did that. They were going to ruin their children, and I would never ruin my children. I envisioned home education as sitting in the kitchen with a deck of cards, and we're going to do math now. (laughs) Add those up, kids. What color's that? Okay, her robe, what what tell me the three colors you see on her robe. Oh, that's a king. I want the queen. Yeah, they're both yellow and red and black. That's good. Okay. You know, I just thought for sure, you know, what do they do? How do they get curriculum? What about socialization? You know? And I thought about all those kinds of things. And I and I thought, you know what? I am very, very prideful in my thinking because God started showing, showing me that, you know, he was going to call me to something, you know, uh, something great. I didn't know quite what it could be, something really terrific. I knew there was going to be something. Well, one day I was in Mervin's with my kids in tow, and there's this lady, and she had this phone, you know, and an antenna and everything, and she's talking sizes and colors, and I'm going, Oh kids that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. You will never see your mother in a store with a phone. You will never see that. You know, and because I'm I'm just way too busy, you know, when a phone rings and I've got something to do, I stay focused and I don't I don't mess around. You know, my kids aren't going to ever see their mother do that. So I'm not going to homeschool because crazy people do that and I'm not going to talk on the phone in a store cuz crazy people do that. I mean, it sounds like they're talking to themselves. I mean, come on. So um, I told you my kids were in the public school system for a little bit. Let me just tell you a little bit about that. That kind of could probably ring a bell with a few of you in the room. When my kids were in public school, I was very involved in the classroom, you know, room mom. And I brought in the treats, and I helped grade papers, and I did things. Well, While I'm in the classroom, I'm hearing things being taught, and I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting. I'll have to ask about that later. Then my daughters would come home, and, and uh, they would be doing math. And they would be doing this on the numbers. Now, I sent my kids to school knowing their math facts, thinking I got my kids a little bit ahead. I didn't know my math facts in school, so my kids are going to know their math facts. And I see him doing this. And I go, oh, honey, what are you doing? You know what that is. You don't have to count it. Oh, no, my teacher said we, it's touch math. We have to touch these points on each number. We can't just say, oh, I know what that is. We have to touch the points on each number. And mom, look where the points are. You know, And they're drawing these little circles. And I'm like, I'll ask the teacher about that tomorrow. So I go into the classroom and I say, now I realize this is a kid and and everything. But did you tell them they can't just know what the fact is that they have to count it? And she says, oh, yes. Because it's a new proven method, this touch math, that uh, it'll help the kids retain their math facts. Not every student in the class has them memorized, so we want to make sure that they don't feel bad that they're touching the numbers. So everyone touches the numbers, okay? Mm-hmm. Gee, darling, this you're—you know—you know how to spell this word? I, I, we've gone over that before. Let's think about the sounds. Oh, mom, the teacher said that we can spell it the way it sounds to us. That was a new method they called best guess spelling. If that wasn't enough, soon after that, uh, one of my daughters, she was in the third, well, she was, in, uh, uh, let's see, Leslie was in the fourth grade. She did a book report on uh, oh. a missionary, Corey Ten Boom. and and uh, not Corey Ten Boom, but was it Mary Slesher? I can't remember, but it was a um, missionary, and her teacher pulled her aside and said, you know, sweetheart, I want you to read different types of books. Now, if it was today... I can imagine they'd probably say, you going to try Harry Potter or something, you know. But she wanted her to read different types of books. So, because I was, you know, buying books and things, and we were talking about different things. It was like, Mom, I'm supposed to read different types of books, so what can we get? And I go, oh, who, who mentioned that? So I go in and I ask the teacher, and she goes, well, you know, a lot of her books are all churchy, you know, and stuff. And we really need her to have more, you know. So you can get the picture, okay. So I go into the principal's office. And I didn't go raging into the principal's office. I just went in to ask, is there something I'm missing here? You know, it just seems like you're uneducating my kids instead of educating them. And this is exactly what the principal said to me, and this is the point I wanted to make with that whole story. The principal leaned forward and said, Mrs. Gammy, you need to trust us with your kids. We're the trained professionals, and we know your kids better than you do. And I thanked her for her time, and I got up, and I'm kind of mumbling to myself as I leave the door, (laughs) and I'm thinking, Lord, I know that you have another place for these kids. I'm sure it's going to be private school, and you know, Lord, we can't afford private school, so I'm sure that you'll provide for private school. And he did have private school in mind. But I just didn't know how private it was going to (laughs) be. It was going to be very, very private. So our first year, I I started out with a sixth grader, a fifth grader, a third grader, and a soon-to-be newborn. I called a good friend of mine who homeschooled. It was kind of a taboo subject uh, between us because I thought she was nuts for doing it. So I called her, and I said, (laughs) okay, Kelly, uh, um, tell me about homeschooling. She kind of laughed a little. It wasn't a mean laugh or anything, but she kind of laughed a little And I couldn't believe what one of my questions was now that I think about it because it was, now, is this going to consume a lot of my time? And that was very prideful and selfish on my part. But this is what God is always showing me, is that I am truly a long, never-ending work in progress for the Lord. And so if you find yourself in that place thinking, wow, is this going to take a lot of my time? Where, where am I going to figure out how to do this? I'm not a teacher. I'm not an educator. And does this mean I can't go to women's Bible study anymore on Tuesdays? And, you know, we used to go to lunch afterwards and, and these things. I ask that you would go before the Lord and that you would truly give over all of those things, that you would be willing to go through childbirth pains over and over for your child, that they may one day serve our great Lord and walk with him side by side because that is what God has called you to in home education, that you would guide them and lead them. So um, the one thing that the Lord has always shown me is that he is faithful. He has always walked beside me. He has always worked in and through me because for me, the scripture Ephesians 2.4 has always rung the bell for me, and that is, but God. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loves us, he has always shown me over and over that he is the one who has called me, he will sustain me, and he is with me. So it wasn't about five years into home educating, the three kids, and now uh, I have a five-year-old starting kindergarten, that I would become queen of the crazy ladies who homeschool their kids um, because we would start a school in California, and we were there for about 17 years, my husband and I doing that, for other home-educating families. An amazing time and an amazing way that God keeps us humble because I was never, ever going to do that. But what does God show me? So today I want to talk to you about motivating your children your students to take on the ownership of their education and what God showed me over all those years and those kids so that they could take it on themselves, have the wisdom that came from the Lord and from the example God has given me so many times. So what I want to talk to you about is to motivate your children. So we're going to look at this definition. I gave you part of it, but the neat thing is, is that I went to the dictionary and I, this is not pieced together. This is copy and pasted. I don't remember what dictionary because this was, I probably did this speech the very first time in 2003, 2002. And so I got it way back then. <laughs> so Stone Age. Anyway, to motivate is to move to action. Okay, um, Work upon influence to sway. Do we do these things with our kids? Are we... Moving them forward, we're to infect, inject, infuse into, educate, to impress, turn on. That's what we're to do when we motivate our kids. And I thought I'd turn that off. Oh, I've got to get this just a second. It's very important. Hey. Oh, yeah, no, this is, there's no problem. This is a good time. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. No. Oh, get one for me, too, because that price, that's a good price. That's a really good price. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's really, it's not a problem. Yeah, I I am at the conference. No, but this is not big. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. And, um, okay. So, all right. So we want to push. We want to, it says to force, enforce. What are we going to enforce? Rules and standards. We're going to predetermine, lead, direct, manage. Sometimes we can even lead our kids astray when we're trying to motivate them because we're not giving a very good example to them. Um, Give a lead. We want to proceed. We want to set an example, and we want to set the pace. So let's see what we can get from some of these things here. What I want to pull out of that entire list is to proceed, set an example, and set the pace. If we're going to proceed, if we're going to proceed to be in a position in front of, go in advance of, to come or go before in time and order, rank and position, that would be us as their parent. And in order for us to motivate our kids, we need to be the one that's in lead. If we're going to lead, then we need to have a plan. If we don't have a plan, then we're going to look like we're just making it up and i don't think our kids are going to want to follow us we'll want to set an example one serving as a pattern to set a good example and then set the pace to measure by counting the number of steps needed to cover a distance to set or regulate the rate of speed for to train to twist into greatness to walk with and with delib- deliberate steps okay so that's that's kind of something we're going to go over here. So if we're going to proceed uh, in front of our students, again, we talked about needing to have a plan. And if we don't have that plan, let me see if I can turn this thing down. There. Okay. Um, if we don't have that plan, then we're going to look like we're just... Just flailing, and our kids aren't aren't going to want to really, really follow us. So, oh, wait a minute, just a minute, another call's coming in. Okay. Hey! Okay, so they they didn't have any more? Well, that's okay. Well, no, that's okay, I, I can do without it. So, okay, so are we going to meet today for lunch? Well, that's all right. I can leave the kids at home, they can do their schoolwork. Yeah. Oh, you know, they don't need me. Yeah. Well, I didn't really have anything prepared, but they're just going to read their readers. Okay. All right. Talk to you later. Okay. Now, obviously, those were set up. Obviously, (laughs) I wouldn't have calls, uh, take a call while I was talking to you. But what's important, and I am going to turn this baby off now, is how did that make you feel for one split second if you did think it was real? Mm Yeah. Yeah could tell I was kind of floundering and <laughs> like, get that call coming. Um, that's what I wanted to get across to you is so many times we send the message to our kids that the schooling isn't important, that other things are important. We set appointments during school time. We take phone calls in the middle of the history lesson, the math lesson, whatever lesson, and they hear us say, oh, it's no big deal. And, oh, we'll get that done later. But you know what? Another group's going to get ice cream. We're going to meet them. We homeschool. We can do whatever. And I'm here to say the example that we set when we do that is very demotivating to our students to really see this as something they could own, that they would want to own. So how will our students own it unless we own it first? Unless we own it. so if we're going to now let's really do this if we're going to truly motivate and move our students then we need to influence them we need to sway them with how important everything is we need to be infectious about the call of home education and the call of each subject of why we learn the different things we need to pull them in directions that are going to they're going to resist. Hey, listen, I'll never forget my, my, a couple of my kids. God put on my heart that they were supposed to do debate. Now, a couple of the other kids, they're like, sweet, we didn't have to do it. I said, you know why? In matter of fact, I just had a conversation with my, uh, she just graduated senior. She says, Mom, why didn't I ever have to do debate? I said, you know, frankly, God just never showed me to have you do that. But I had her do some other things. There were some camps and things that she did that the other ones didn't do. And I said, because each one of you are individuals. I didn't have a cookie-cutter way of doing everything with the four of you. But I trusted that God would bring along what was needed at the right time, and he would show me. So if biology boat came by, I'd look down and go, wow, we could do biology, jump on that boat. You know, Because God always provided everything. I didn't have to get myself in a tizzy, but he always showed me. And the two that took debate, have God has used the skills that they learned there amazing. The other ones took other things. God's used those skills. So sometimes you're going to have to pull them in ways because my point being with the debate, believe me, it was, what? I've got to do, I go, I, I know it's not going to be your favorite thing to do, but I'm asking you to do it and to simply do your best. And now looking back, I see God's hand all over that. So just because your student says to you, I don't want to take that class. God designed you as the parent. He's going to speak to you. He's going to use you. You don't need to second guess yourself. If you're trusting God to guide you and direct you and you're seeking him to tell you and motivate you and what you should do, what your call is, then it's up to you as the leader to impress upon them and pull them and attract them to the things that you know God has called them to. Sometimes you might have to force them into a class that you know will be good for them. And let me tell you something. The one that kicked the loudest about going into debate, and I will never forget the morning that, you know, he went to his first round robin and things, and he says, Mom, I don't even know what I've gotten myself into. This is just, you know, and he was not pleased. Um, He has since gone on. He's just graduated with his master's from Wheaton College, and he wants to do church planting. And he does a lot of uh, discussions online with people who don't believe in God, and the whole debate thing has really uh, come into play. He's had to sit in front of panels before for theology boards and things like that where they ask you theological questions and things like that, and be able to discuss both sides of things. And he has told me over and over, I can't believe how much debate has really come into play for me. And I'm like, mm, really? And so <laughs> so, um, so sometimes we might have to force and enforce and compel them to do something. How about lead and direct and manage? If we're going to lead, direct, and manage, as I was floundering to say before as I waited for phone calls, um, <laughs> that um, we can lead only when we have a plan. Because if we don't have a plan, then we have planned plan to fail. We're, we, we're going to flounder. We're going to come up with no ending. We're going to come up with mm, no no directive on which way we're going to go. Because and then to manage it to keep it going isn't going to happen. Now here I underline this to lead astray to mislead. Sometimes uh, the way we'll motivate our kids is not a good way of motivation, um, but in this it still is a form of motivation when we lead them astray and things. And usually this is because. We haven't planned. We haven't thought it through. We maybe, you know, and, and see if you find yourself here. God has spoke clearly to you. You're excited. You you know the direction you're going to go. You're going to the UMS school. Um, you're excited about it. And your friends go, oh, we're not doing that. We're, we're not going to do that. We'll take this class there, but we're, we, oh, we found this really neat thing we're going to do. And so you decide, oh, my friends are all going this way. So now you change your plans and you go with all your friends and you use the books they're going to use and all this because it sounded like it was really going to be neat, but it wasn't what God showed you. So I'm praying that if you hear nothing else today, that you hear the conviction of the Lord in the directives that he gives you for your child and you stand firm in them. I will admit to you I wasn't always real popular, but that's something God showed me early on was that I would stand in his wisdom and, and completely follow the program he gave. and usually by the end of a year, and then this is when I fully homeschooled um, uh, he gave me the stuff for the next year and I would always stay on it. It's when I diverted maybe somebody came up, oh we're having a you know a Latin class or whatever and I go, Latin, oh we got to do Latin And so I go off and I oh, okay, we'll nix this because you can only do so much in a day. And I fix it all around, and then it's like, why didn't I stay the course? I I can't tell you. It's only happened to me a couple times, but that's a lesson I learned, and if you can avoid it because I'm sharing, please stay the course of what God gives you. Give a lead. We need to proceed, set an example, and set the pace. This was a real dictionary definition. And that, to me, is... I, I remember reading it going, this is a whole message here. So... Let's get on to proceed here. So I'm going to get back to my notes here. Sometimes when we're proceeding, we need to look and see how we're motivating our kids. Are Are they hearing us in the off times saying, oh, yeah, you know what? I've got to teach on these off days. See, they're on campus a couple days, but then I've got to figure out what I'm going to do on those off days. Do they hear you kind of with that mentality? You know, you're talking to your friend. Well, I I don't even know if I can do it. You know, careful what message you send. How motivating is that going to be as you're proceeding before them to set this model of school up for them to accomplish, but yet you've sent a message that says, I don't even know if I can do it. That should go before the Lord and be very private with your friend as you seek, what, training and guidance and help that you might learn how to be that co-teacher in the UMS school. One of the beautiful things that I, I want to share as, you, um, as we talk about proceeding is that the UMS schools have set up what I think is just near perfect I want to say perfect, but I I know if I do that then we could get in a debate and somebody will pull something out and I just, you know, near perfect, Um, role of how we develop our students to take on the ownership of their education. And if you look at it, when you see the roles and responsibilities of the parent, we have the dependent study, then they move into independent study. You become a course monitor and then a project assistant and an interactive discussion leader. Those are some things that you should be being trained at your school to learn how to guide those portions. When they're in kindergarten through sixth grade, it's dependent study. So you look at the definition for dependent study. It says it's your responsibility to make certain that your son or daughter keep up with the course material assigned. So now you can proceed... And be in that position in front of them because you're going to seek out the master teacher at your school and you're going to know how to help them to keep up with their course materials that are signed. If there's something you're not sure how to teach, you're going to proceed your kids by saying, I'm going to call that teacher and say, hey, you know, I don't know how to teach this. Can you give me some ideas? And now your student's coming to class prepared for success because you prepared for success by leading in such a strong way. You're also gonna communicate to the teacher if any difficulty should arrive. In some cases, private tutoring might be necessary. So you as the co-teacher, you're gonna show your child that, you know what, when, when we just don't know what we're do, gonna do here, we don't stop there and go, oh, we don't know. We say, let's, find, let's ask God to bring us a tutor. Let's start asking if anybody knows somebody who could help us get over this little little part here that we're not understanding, and I, you know, and I don't know how. Be, be that transparent. You can be that transparent in front of your kids because what are you doing but giving them life's lesson on how to problem solve? It's okay for them to see that you don't know something. I, I tell my kids, I go, you know, I'm not really sure. Let's look it up. Pretty soon, as they got older... They didn't need me at all because I would show them that I would walk them through the process. Even if I went right back to the teacher's book and I said, well, let's read this again. And I'd read through it and we'd work the problem out together. A lot of times if I can see the answer, I can, especially in math, I can work it backwards and I can, then I got it, you know. Well, my kids started seeing that. What did it help them do? But To learn how to solve a problem and learn. And they just got stronger and stronger and stronger. So be that positive influence and show them by setting an example, being a good example, setting that pattern, that you don't just give up, you don't get frustrated, you don't throw a tantrum, but what you did is went, okay, you know what, let's figure it out. One of the things I used to always tell my kids is like, they go, math, you know, I go, math is fun. Every math problem is a puzzle. We're trying to figure out the puzzle. That's all we're trying to do. And, and they were like, okay, you know. And so i got to be honest with you. There were times I was like, I have no clue. I would, that I did not show my kids, okay. But I, I sat there and said, well, let's, let's check it out, you know. And I stayed positive on it. And I'd go back and I'd figure it out. And when they got really um, down maybe, you know, I didn't go, yeah, I know what you mean. Man, this is a real bummer. No, I kept my attitude professional with my kids. And I said, well, come on, honey, let's figure it out. We're going to figure it out. And I probably didn't know either, but we figured it out together. We both learned together. And like I say, as they got older, they didn't need mom anymore. And it was neat because they learned how to learn. And they took ownership of it. So you have your dependent study. I I look at it, and it's like, this is so perfect. That's where you start, where you guys are there to communicate for the teacher on their behalf. if, If you're not sure what to do, if they're not sure what to do, Keep that communication going. You're being that example of this is the right and good way, this is the right and good pattern to follow. And you're going to set the pace of it. In other words, I I even like to look at this as the attitude behind things. If you get upset and freak out, like sometimes we'll hear, you know, kids are so great, uh, they tell us everything. And so we'll hear when they come to class on campus days, um, well, my mom said I didn't have to do that. It's a stupid assignment. Wrong response. You're not going to set, the, that's not setting an example and setting the pace. The setting the pace is saying, you know what, sweetheart, this is life's job. We need to get this done today. Oh, okay, we don't know what's happening. We don't know what to do. Let's call the teacher. I know she would want to help us. Giving, you know, giving that positive and that, um, showing them the right steps to do. Very important. Very important that we do that. Um, sometimes just our attitude in how we start the school year you know if it's okay, you know what you guys we've got one week till school starts have your fun now because boy, <laughs> you know what did we just do but we undid the whole uh, the whole exciting part of really having our kids look forward to school. So let me just tell you kind of some of the stuff we did. Um, what I did uh, is at the when school was going to start, do you remember, a lot of us w- went to probably at, um, public schools. Some of you in here might have homeschooled. Are there any public school people as a little kid? Good. All oh, right, there's a few. Because I know I did. And so one of my favorite things was the smell of the classroom when you walked in. I mean, there's all that fresh paper and books and dittos from my era. Um, it was like, smelling the ditto, you know. <laughs> But um, I remember, you know, and you always had a new outfit on, you know. It was exciting. It was fun that first day of school, you know. So I decided, even though we were home educating, that we're going to have that first day of school experience. So for years, what I would do is the night before school is going to start, you know, they took their baths and they went to bed uh, early because guess what? School starts tomorrow. And it was like, yes, you know, as soon as they all got in bed, Boom, I started in. And I always wrapped up all their new books. I made new pencil boxes, did, you know, the whole thing. And our first days of school, the Lord is my witness, because a lot of people don't believe me, um, were like Christmas morning. They really were. And it was the coolest thing. Everybody came out in a new outfit. Everybody, you know, it was really cool. I always had a dress on. That's the only day I had, like, the dress, the earrings, everything. Now, I never did the robe thing or anything like that. I'm not saying... But we always came dressed. We always did that kind of thing. But that first day of school, because what you want to do is you want to set the tone. You want to set the pace of what is it, what, how important is it? You know, and it's up to us to do that. Because if we want to lead them to taking it on themselves, especially when they get older, guys, then we've got to do it. We've got to show them this is how it's done. Because one thing I've always learned is that more is caught than taught. From us, we can sit there and tell them all the rules, give them all the outlines, tell them everything. You know, this is the way you do it. You need to do this. You know, and they're like, you don't even do that. You know? So we need to be that example, that true example, because more is caught than taught. They're going to watch our actions, how we live, what we do. We can do things during the day, just as kind of a side caveat here, um, that. When you see your students kind of just, you know, they're losing it. They've started out strong, and now they're starting to kind of wane and and get tired, do some unexpected things. You know, I I used to love to bring in a plate of cheese and crackers and some tea and maybe some fun cookie or something like that that would just say, I love you, I'm proud of you, you know, rub their back, you know, whatever. Uh, Have dad, this is one of the biggest things we used to do is have dad write a note of encouragement. And stick it in one of their textbooks. Okay? I'm telling you, for my kids, they would keep every note dad's gonna write. You know, and those are some of the most encouraging things. Include dad. Dad gets left out so much in home education and uh, on those off campus days. Include him in those kinds of special ways where he could just write some notes to the kids uh, and leave them for that day. Uh, even, you know, I can tell you about some families that had uh, some attitude issues with, um, you know, during the day on the off campus days, some attitude issues at home. And they, instead of, uh, you know, they'd address it. I'm not saying they didn't address it, they'd address it. But the attitude's not gone yet. So dad would start, you know, leave a little note. Dad would start asking, okay, hey, how'd it to go today? Not confrontational, or, you know, we're, were you good today? Did you mind your mom? You know, it was like coming in the other way. So how do you do today? Because when we show that we're interested, then it's something to be interested in. And now, what are we showing them again? We're setting the example of being interested and caring about what it is that they do. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> so again, you have to ask your questions yourself Are you motivated? Okay. Do you know what direction you're taking your students in? Are you sending the message that it's well worth sitting down and planning the night before because I'm teaching tomorrow, you're home tomorrow, and I'm excited to teach you? And sometimes it's not going to be met with excitement, but you can't, you can't then, you know, melt down and say, well, I don't want to do this either, but I will tell you what I've done. There were times where I could see that my students, (laughs) that I birthed, (laughs) and I have spent a lot of time, (laughs) you know, (laughs) were not having the same input and and oomph and things that I was trying to put into it. And I really did, and and I have to tell you, before you speak, before you go in to address this issue, you need to make sure that you go before the Lord calm down, because, you know, we get upset, we see they're not trying, and we're going to go in there, you're going to try, you know, and we don't want to do that, go before the Lord, calm down, get some wisdom, get some insight, and um, I would set my kids down, and you know, they, they, it's that righteous anger, and I'm not saying, you know, go in there angry, but I'm saying, you could go in there and say, look, I can buy you all the best textbooks We can go to the UMS school. You have amazing teachers and friends there. But if you don't apply yourself, if you don't take this on, you are the one that loses because you get one chance at your education. One chance at your education. And this is starting to plant the seed that it's up to them. It's up to them. I only had to have this talk one time and things changed and never went back because I really, really impressed upon them. I already have mine. I'm doing this for you. I love doing this. I don't want to be doing anything else. But you get one chance at it. And I want to encourage you, take advantage of it. What we're doing, the type of education that we do, these kids can go higher, faster, faster. Longer, everything. They have every opportunity to just completely soar high and learn interesting things. Think outside the box of things that they want to do. But they have to apply themselves. And I can remember I had this conversation probably when they were like uh, 8th grade, 7th grade, and it would have been what, 5th and 6th grade. Um, You know, because it's really important that they take that on. And I started talking about, you know, because the morning time started, you know, starting a little bit later, you know, that kind of thing. Always happens, you know. But we have to be the ones to recognize it so we can set the example and say, hey, let's roll this up, you guys, because we could be done. Remember when we used to get started at 8 and we'd do all of our core classes before lunch, we'd do all the main teaching, okay, I'd do all my main teaching before lunch. We'd all have lunch together. Then they did their assignments, their homework. And we were always done by 2. 2.30 was like a light day. You know? But if we start later in the morning, then I, you know, 3, 4 is going to happen. Well, once that bell rung for them, it was wonderful. I'd hear them out there getting going even before I came out. And it was like, great. You know, this is great. And you'll start seeing them catching on. I have control of this. Yes, you do. I have control that I could be done by two? Yeah. And now your afternoon and your evenings, we can do something else as a family. You can go and do things. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, I know your friends are busy because they're at public school and they've got homework or whatever, or your church friends. And But then they start realizing, but I can go ride my bike or I can do whatever. you know. And they started seeing that. Well, that went into their young adulthood. That went into their college. They were able to just stay on it. And I'm telling you, if you can impress upon them the good habits, the good insight on the type of education you guys have chosen, they, they're going to do really well. They, they will leave from their high school experience here. College will be nothing for them. I have three out of my four. My other one's just starting. College was nothing for them. They were ready. They were tutoring. They did a lot of extra things in college because they already understood it. They already understood time management and how to take the ownership of it. And basically, it has to be exampled by you now. Now, let's say you say, yeah, but I kind of already have um, started off on a wrong foot. I've already made some mistakes, and, you know, my kids know that I'm just I'm struggling. I really don't enjoy this, you know and and stuff well, first of all, I'm going to ask you to go before the Lord and ask him to change your heart. Listen, if he could change my heart, I told him i wouldn't I wouldn't doing in this thing you know because it might take a lot of my time. Remember, God changed my heart, and you know i had I had um, a lady in our church when I was homeschooling she wasn't too um keen on on that. She came to me one day and said, You know, Robin you, you've kind of buried yourself at home with this, you know, home education stuff. And, and you could really be used mightily by God in the women's ministry if you took more time here, you know. And, and maybe you have your kids in school so you could be more involved and uh, do some teaching and things for the ladies. And God so clearly spoke to my heart right at that moment. And I knew it was God because I'm not that good. I'm a sinner, you know. And I was like, really? Me teaching? Um, you know. God just spoke to my heart right then. I am doing what he's called me to do. I have the audience of four that he has given me. This is his call on my life for this time. This is his vision, his purpose. And who am I to say, but Lord, I could touch more lives if I was in the women's ministry. And how many of us women are looking for our ministry when our ministry at home is falling apart? Too many. Too many. and God showed me that. He showed me that. Our ministry at home. It's pouring Him into our kids. Why then, when we have our kids at home, why then do we say to them, you're still going to put your first and last name on the paper, the date, the subject, and the assignment, you know that I'm Harry Gammy. Well I I know that, Harry. But the right and good thing to honor God is to do a job well. You will put your first and your last name, the date, the subject, and everything out of respect and honor to God. Because we're gonna learn to do things the right way. Because I took it one year at a time. I never knew what God was going to call our family to. Took it one year at a time and I said, Lord Help me to equip them this year for what you have next year. And he uh, just kept showing me things year by year. And what he showed me over and over was that my kids were going to have neat papers not because I'm a neat freak because it honors God. Because it teaches them diligence. It teaches them respect for others. It's the right and good thing to do. If This is something I tell people when we're talking about training up toddlers. If it is not right and good for me to jump on the couch at my friend's house, I go to your house and I'm jumping on the couch. If it is not right and good for me to do that, then it is not right and good for your child to do that because we are going to train them up in what is right and good that would glorify God for your toddler. If I can't go through the grocery store throwing a tantrum because I can't buy what I want, then it is not right and good that my child throw a tantrum in the grocery store because they can't get what they want. So you have to keep it in that perspective. We can't go, but they're children, and they don't understand. Well, I'm telling you, if you'll yell less because they can't hear us when they yell. Did you know that? Kids can't hear when you yell. They just don't. But if you'll, like, take a little breath and go, this isn't a park, this is the store. So we're not going to run in the store because this isn't a park. But I'll take you to a park later. And if they continue on, handle the situation swift and quick. But let me tell you something. What you've done is you keep planting the seed of the right and good thing and tell them why, the moral reason why. And I always come to, because it glorifies God. When we act in a manner that is right, it could. Mommy can't do that. Neither can you. And they start realizing, oh, okay, it takes some time. This isn't going to happen with one or two things. It takes some time. Um, training up our kids, twisting them into greatness, um, because we have to be twisted first, <laughs> is, is an action on our part. Parenting, training up children, it's not for... Wimps. So you have to say, okay, Lord, I'm a wimp, and I can't do it without you. And I have to know what God's commandments are so I can have my kids live in the same boundaries of the same ten rules that are required on me. And that's how you train up your children, is that you keep the same guidelines and the same rules that are required of you, and you put them in their terms. And at that point, you're setting that example And now you're setting the pace. And the pace is God's pace. So we do well in history. We learn history because if we don't know what's happened previously, we're doomed to do it all over again. So we want to learn our history that we might glorify God and stand strong for the things that are right because we know what happened in the past. We want to do well in our reading, which I thought Andrew Prua was just amazing, Do well in our reading because if we can't read and we don't read, we just listen to stuff all the time and have little earbuds in our ears. We can't read. We don't take into heart God's word. If we can't read, we can't read God's word. If we can't read God's word, we don't know God. It's important. It glorifies God. Let's read. Let's learn how to read. Let's get a passion for reading. May I make a suggestion? If you look out there, if you're looking for Bible curriculums out there for your kids, one that was amazing for all four of my kids, and we use it at the university school in our elementary, um, their line upon line series, uh, their precept studies, uh, I think it's K. Arthur that does them. They're totally geared towards the different grade levels, but basically they'll go through like the Book of John, and The kids, you'll print out a double-spaced book of John. Go online. You can get it at blueletterbible.org. You can get it for free there. Um, And they learn how to do the precept study where every time it mentions God, they put a crown on the word God. Every time it talks about God's love, they're going to put a heart. And what it does is it starts making them go, this is speaking to me. This book's for me. That's what it did for my kids. It brought the Bible alive for them. And four out of four love God's word, so I want to encourage you to do something like that. That's not, you know, oh my gosh, I got to read this. Now I got to memorize it. You know, this helps them. They memorize it because they read it over and over. But then they're also picking out, and you'll say, well, how many times is that mentioned? Well, that's mentioned six times. Really? Why? Why do you think that's mentioned so many times? Well, I think God wants me to know that. Yeah, that's it. It's exactly, it's important. Now they can flip through the book of John. They see verses and things, and they can put it all together. It's amazing. So use that. Um, um, I think it's K Arthur's line upon line, and it's also called, um, like I know the fourth grade one is um, going through Acts, and it's called just K Arthur Children Bible Says. Just type that in Google, and you'll get that. I, I, it's just left my brain. Yes, that very well could be where it is. Um, okay. And so then we want to teach him. Math is important because we need to count the cost of the, our decisions in life, right? We need to, um, what is in Luke 14:28. suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has mo- enough money to complete it? We need to have that spelling and reading. You know, the enemy wins if our kids can't read God's word and share it with others. So we... We want to leave it to God to use the different facets of study in our kids' lives. Children are going to excel in different things. So maybe, like, I had four kids, so I had a couple that math was just a piece of cake. I have my oldest that math just was not her thing. It was just not her thing. Do I just say, well, you know what, sweetheart, it's just not your thing? I just encourage you always do your best. Always do your best. I hope what you're hearing is that it comes from you. The attitude that they're going to have, the encouragement that they need is going to come from you. If you're constantly saying, I don't know, you know what, who cares about that anyway? I I was never good in math, so you don't have to be good in math either. I mean, you know, you have basically set them up to fail because it's going to grow from there. You know, it's unfortunate, but the negativity grows a lot faster than positive things, you know, and reinforcement. So you've got to work at Stopping yourself from being part of the feeding of a bad attitude. Stop, try to catch yourself and say, you know what? You know, I'm sorry you feel that way, sweetheart. You know, let's see if we can find a, a way to work this out. Help them start having skills on to take this on to their self. Because if you can teach them, like even with my, my parents in the school, okay, we send out a newsletter, we list everything out, we have a parent meeting, We have all these things. We go to all these lengths to give self-help guidelines to do all these things. And then they'll call me. Um, Yeah, can you tell me the phone number for such and such family? Well, let me look in the family directory. You know? Oh, let me read. I think that was in the newsletter. Let me see what it said. Just a minute. I'll find my newsletter. Now, I know what it says. But I want them to know I'm looking in the newsletter. (laughs) You know? And pretty soon they start realizing, well, you know, if I call Robin, she's going to read the newsletter to me. I think I'll look in the newsletter. You know, that's how you do with your kids. And that's, you know, that's a way of training some of the new parents too. Because otherwise they're going to call me every time they have a question and it's in the newsletter, you know. So those those are kinds of things I'm trying to to get across for you. So we have to, in having a high standard for our children's work, even if they are in independent study, because, you know, we have the dependent study, the independent study, the course monitor. Even when you get to course monitor in high school, take the time to care. You know you're looking at lesson plans. You know they've got a book report coming up. Tell them, hey, I want to see your book report. No, I'm just turning in. You know what? I need to see your book report. You need to be taking a proactive um, stance at being able to say, Sweetheart, that is an awesome job. You did a really good job. Get your kids so that they're not afraid to show you. And here's the other thing. Red pencil, red pen. Don't go to purple. Don't go to blue. Because if they hate red because you use red, they're going to hate purple and blue. So let's keep it to one color. But here's what I tell people, and this is what I've always told my kids and any, any student I've ever come in contact with. Red is your friend. It's your best friend in school. Because red says to you, look over here. Look over here. This is where you want to study. Right over here. Right here, right, here, here. This is it. So red's your friend. You want to fix what red is trying to show you. We're in school to get an education. Red is your best friend. Purple blends in, blue blends in. It's kind of going, eh, it might be over here. Look over this direction. You know, red. That's blinking. Okay? And once my kids, because I was like that when I was a kid, if I gave it to my mom, I, I, this is a true story. i give her, okay, mom, here it is, my book report. She'd go, okay, well, you want to do this. And she, and every with every movement of the pen, I was like, <gasps> you know? And I, it would just make me, I wish... Somebody would have said to me, Robin, everything that's not marked red on there, you got right. This is where, this is what you're in school to learn. It's saying, look over here. This is what you want to fix. And then guess what? I fix it enough times, I'm not going to fix it anymore because I learned what I needed to learn right then. I learned it. It's done. Learned it, did it. Um, anyway. <coughs> So we want to not let our kids be lazy. We need to hold them to the high standard um, and, and really back your master teachers. Back those teachers that are there. Don't let them get away with sloppy work. Um, I think I have to, okay, have a little more. Okay, because, you know, the one thing with our kids is we don't know what God's preparing them for. Um, you know, you like to think you know. Sometimes you can get hints. I'll tell you, I got a couple hints. Um, my oldest daughter uh, constantly, well, well, let me just tell you, too, myself, growing up, I played school probably 12 hours out of every day. Um, Growing up, my cousin and I, and we laugh about it. I mean, we had real fake kids and everything, you know. We'd even yell at some, and, you know, we're by ourselves, and they're passing papers out. My oldest played school a lot, you know, was always managing things, you know because she had the gift of administration, okay? Um, And she's an amazing teacher as she has grown up. My second, when she was four years old, had uh, one of those funny hats on, an apron too big for herself. She's at the little kitchen, and I was putting laundry away, and she turned around and said to me, Mom, oh, and she had these heart-shaped little glasses on. She goes, Mom, when I get older, I'm going to adopt kids that don't have mom and dad's, because there's kids in this world that don't have mom and dads. She's a missionary over in Romania, went there when she was 19, has a ministry called Sufficient Bread Ministry, and now is married, and her husband and her are here for a little bit, and they're going to go back. But God prepared her and equipped her for that. My son, he was probably oh, five or six, little guy. He's now a big guy. Um, he told me he was going to go and spread the gospel. He wants to be a church planter. That's what he wants to do. Now, we're excited to see what Emily, the number four, is going to do because she told me she's going to be a hiker woman with a dog and start an ice cream store. We're waiting because she doesn't like hiking. I know. And Jeff's looking going, she doesn't like to go out there hike. Yeah, but that's what she told us. So, you know, hey, three out of four. And so <laughs> she's a sweet girl but, it cracks us up. but you know what she wants to be? She wants to go to school Get her degree and so she can teach secondary English. She loves to edit. She loves to write. She loves to do that kind of thing. Okay. So <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, but we don't know what God's going to call our kids to. But we can use studies, each one of these subjects, to teach them to persevere, to look to the future. Don't look right now. They're thinking, ah, what am I going to use this for? Why do I need to do this? You need to do it as unto the Lord, because he's equipping you and preparing you. And I tell you, you teach them to finish what they start. You teach them, even in those days where it's like, oh, my goodness, because you come out of those days, and then you look back and go, I am so glad I kept going. There was a political camp that um, we were very involved in, in California, City on the Hill. If you look it up, it's just the neatest camp. And I'll never forget, my oldest daughter, uh, the first couple times other students invited her, and she was like, she'd just like standing behind me, tell them I can't go, tell them I can't go, I don't want to go. You know, and I'm like, let would you want to go? And she's like, oh, I don't know, I think about it. She's like, Mom, I don't want to go. Well, she finally went in her senior year. You age out uh, at 17. And uh, she was so bummed because she was like, why didn't I go? That was so awesome. She ended up being on staff. I was, I was on staff. Put my son in there. And uh, he was like, okay, and, you know, a little nervous about it. And at the end of the week, and I saw this with not just my kids, week after week after week, I'd pick kids up um, from the airport, and I'd say, do you know what you're, you're in for? And they'd go, no, probably a lot of boring classes. And I said, well, what's your mom tell me? Oh, we're going to learn politics. And I go, oh, okay. Well, what are we going to learn? I said, I'm going to let you experience the week. No, really, what are we going to learn? I said, pssh, I'm not going to tell you. You know, I'll talk to you at the end of the week. I'd invite kids constantly. You've got to come to this. They're like, oh, come on. So here's what I did with these two boys that I just knew would love this. I said to them, look, you come to this one week event, and if you don't have a good time, if you don't learn something, if you don't come away knowing the greatness of God, the bigness of God, how to pray for our senator and congressman, and have a passion that you've never had before, if you don't come away with that, I will spend a week doing something you like. Now, let me tell you, they're both drummers in a high school band, and I knew I was going to be walking the pavement with a big old drum. I knew it. So I knew what I was saying when I said this. And uh, so they went. And um, you have to know, my position on the staff there, I was the newspaper. Because it's this week where they um, are literally um, assemblymen for, assemblymen and senators for the week. They're given bills that they oppose, and that they're for, and we end the week on the House floor actually running a whole session. And they impeach people, and it's wonderful. It's tremendous. They have to do everything by the Constitution. And um, so it sounds overwhelming, but, you know, inch by inch as you go through it, by the end of the week, you're like, oh, I understand the process now. I understand they've met all these senators and congressmen come and talk and give their testimonies, and, you know, it's just really cool. And uh, so, of course, being the press, I had a camera. I took a picture every time those boys smiled because I wasn't going to have them fake that they didn't like it. You know what I mean? Oh, see, you're having fun here, 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 here. So anyway, they've not only gone back every year that they could. I noticed on the website they've written up why other kids should come too. And that's what I'm trying to encourage you is that there's going to be times where you're going to push and pull and do the things. They're going to say later, and it's not fun when you're trying to push them there, Later, it's going to be, yeah, it was pretty cool. I'm really glad I did that. Because, you see, this time of life, is going to pass them by. And I think it's awesome being a parent with a bigger vision that we can pass on to our kids. And sometimes maybe they won't listen to you, but maybe you can encourage a friend that they will listen to you. And you say, can you kind of help encourage him to maybe just give this a try? You know, her. A lot of times my daughters were a little bit more uh, hard to get on there than my son. So... Um, encourage them to always do neat work, to turn it in on time. Now, at our school, I've just implemented a, a, z- a zero policy, 24 hours. They have to turn in work, or it's zero, if it's late. They have 24 hours, and they have to get it to the teacher. They don't bring it in and drop it off at the school. And that gets the parent involved, because they've got to drive it to the teacher's house. And then, you know what they're going to hear the whole way there is, you should have gotten that done. and <laughs> You know, and stuff. But um, that's that's life. Tell your kids, they need to look at this. This is their job. That's the other thing I would tell my kids. This is your job. And right now, I'd be firing you, you know, right about now. And there'd be no paycheck. Um, but I don't get a paycheck. Yes, you do. Those grades on your report card, that's your paycheck. And so the higher your grades on your report card, higher your paycheck's most likely going to be, and you're going to be able to do things you want to do in life. I mean, there's all different analogies. You can give them that will show them that right now affects tomorrow. Right now affects the future. And it's really, really important doing neat work as unto the glory of the Lord. We don't want them uh, to be lazy. Um, So we need to be about the education of our kids. Um, and, And their motive can't be to please you, but it needs to be to glorify God. Now you say, well, I don't know that my son or daughter is a Christian. The awesome part about that is, who's spending time with them right now but you? So you need to live the joy of the Lord out before them. If you're going to sit them down and tell them all about how they should be a Christian, it's going to be wah, 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 wah. Live out the joy of the Lord before your kids. Live out the memorials that he has given you in every aspect of your life. Is God so good and great that when there's not enough money to pay the bills that your children would see you still continually worship? It doesn't change who God is. Is God so great that when a job is on the line, your kids stand and see mom and dad are still standing before God? Maybe one of the husband or wife is not a believer, but the one that the kids know is a believer God doesn't change. He stands strong and sovereign and you continue to worship. Those are called memorials in your kids' lives. Having a time where you can show that to your kids, they'll lock it in here. They might not think too much of it at the time. But when they get older, they're going to say, you know, I can remember one time things got really, really tough at home and I saw my mom on her knees That's my testimony. I had a stepdad, very abusive at home. And one time I hid under the bed, waited for the things to stop breaking and silence to be a long time so I'd know he'd gone to sleep. And when I came out to see if my mom was okay, she was at the foot of her bed with her Bible open and she was praying. God used that vision. It is in my head to this day. And I pray that you would be able to stand in that way in the vision in your child's head because they have a mom who's at this conference, a dad that's at this conference. Why? Because you believe this is what God has called you to do. So now live it out each day with a surety, with complete passion for it, and knowing that you are going to go and set this example, you're going to set the pace, not in your own strength, but in the strength, and wisdom, and grace, and tone that God gives you. Because you can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. But I can do it because God's called me to it, and he will do it in and through me. So it's really important that we come completely, with a complete conviction of our calling to do this, because guess what? It's infectious. And pretty soon your kids start realizing, I'm called to this too. And I'm getting older because their maturity starts getting on it. And, and they start realizing, I, I do have some control in my life because I'm getting my homework done. I'm doing this. Mom's letting me get a job. Because, and, you know, I'm going to get that car I want. They're going to start seeing that there's, there's the consequence, good or bad, of how they live their life. We have good consequences. You know, we always think that word is like, there's only bad consequences. But there's consequence. So, and even in your discipline, I'm going to sidetrack because I feel like I'm supposed to say this. If somebody's dealing with this, um, you think, but I can't get them to do anything. You know, their their attitude is always bad. Here's what you do. I got four out of four. This is what I did. <laughs> their attitude's bad. They're mouthy. They're... They're just not, they don't care, okay? And they're too big to spank. <laughs> and you know, and, and, and you're tired of spanking. I don't care if they're, you know, and you think I could spank them, but it's not working. Here's what you do. This is awesome. Natural consequence is the coolest thing on the planet that God gave us. And I didn't always know what the consequence was going to be of bad behavior, okay? So natural consequence, because what you want Is you want your day to go like this. They do something. Don't you go way up here now. You know, and they're like, yeah, I really got her off the chart on that one. You see how she got? You guys have to ask God, help keep me calm. And here's my mentality. Mom always wins. And I just stayed really calm. Mom always wins. Because God put me in charge, not you. So there were times I'd have to kind of walk out of the room because I'm going to go ballistic. (laughs) And so I would literally just kind of, and I'd tell them, we're going to address this in a little bit. I need you to go in your room. Think about this for a minute and I'll be back. Well, what I did is I'd go in my room, I'd lay down for a little bit and just say, Lord, help me to calm down now because I am really not happy, you know? And I'd just go before Lord. Sometimes I'd even take a little nap. Wake up so refreshed. (laughs) They're still in their room. And then I was able to go in, completely fresh, sit on the floor and just say, do you understand why mom is so upset with you right now? Well, yeah. No, no. Tell me. I want to hear in your own words. And they'd be able to express it. Or maybe they kind of missed the point of it. But I could calmly say, no, it was when you didn't care about your sibling. You only cared for yourself. Or... It's about when you, you could have cared less how I felt. Do you know how embarrassing that was to have you throw that tantrum in the park in front of my friends? You know, that's just wrong. You know, I know what's best for you and you're going to have to trust me. But I could talk like this to them instead of, you're going to trust me because I'm your mom. God made me in charge. You know, I'm telling you, they don't hear you as well when that's going on. But when they can see your heart and so I say natural consequence. So I'll say, I'm not sure how I'm going to handle this right now, but we'll, we'll talk again. We'll talk again later. But just think about what we talked about now. Okay. So day goes on. Mom, can I go spend the night at Scott's house? Oh, I'm sorry, sweetheart. You know you chose not to listen to mommy today, and and you threw that tantrum in the park. I need you to stay home today. That was a natural consequence. They didn't go spend the night at their friend's house. Now, did I have to say, no, you didn't do it. You were bad. You were really bad, and you're not going to go anywhere. But I did it in a way that still had dignity, respect for your child, which is huge. You know, show them the respect you want kind of thing. But you just say, oh, I'm so sorry, sweetheart. Since you chose not to obey, I can't let you do that. So... We're just going to stay home tonight. Didn't have to yell, didn't anything. And they'd, they'd be like, she's right. Okay. And there were times, you know, they'd get a little upset and I'd go, honey, it was your choice. It puts it all on them. My day hasn't changed. My day's good, <laughs> you know. And and that's, a, that's just a natural way. And I'm telling you, that helped us so much. And I didn't have to yell and scream and spank and all that. It just got to where we could truly dialogue. And it's that way today. You know, they're all taller than me. And still, we can talk, we can dialogue, we can disagree. And it's okay. Because we don't have to go to that place. So I encourage you with that. And uh, so that you train up, you twist into greatness those kids. And um, it's an amazing, amazing thing that we have. So one time, um, just to kind of, kind of in closing, I wanted to make this point to... Uh, the school in California that we had. and Because I just noticed a lot of families were struggling in the area of motivation and lack of motivation in their kids. And I'm firmly a believer that it's coming from the top. It's coming from their attitude, what they're doing, what they're living out before their kids. Because if we're living out, to really step back, be honest. Ask God to reveal it to you. A lot of what you'll see in your kids you're dealing with okay a lot of what you're seeing i tell you in in all my years of doing this when i've got a little kid spinning and won't and can't stand in line and wait his turn got to be the first one and you know all that i'll meet the parents sometimes you know and just go (laughs) you know because they can't wait in line it's them first it's you know and stuff and you just kind of go okay let's draw the line to the one that matches and, it, you know, it's, it's not 100%, but I'm just saying it's a key part. So be honest with yourself. This was one of the things that helped me so much were the very things I dealt with in my kids. I needed to deal with me first, and it's very, very important. Um, so anyway, with my ISP, I uh, wrote a letter. Uh, the Lord was so gracious. He took my voice away, and we had our meeting coming. And so I wrote this letter, and I, I forgot to grab a copy of it. But basically, the letter said to, we, we, my husband and I, we played it up. We walked in really somber, and everybody said, hey, hi. I'm going, hey. Why don't you guys sit down? We've got to get this meeting going. we got some t- really tough stuff to deal with. they we're like, okay. So everybody sat down. And we passed out these letters. And we said, okay, um, you can all read these letters, and then we'll, we'll talk afterwards. Basically, the letter said, dear families, it's with much regret that Dan and I will be stepping down as leaders of the Masters Academy. We're just too tired to do this. It's really become kind of a, a bother for us to do this. And, you know, we just don't have time. And, you know, you guys can do whatever you want. And It was just a real lackluster, you know. it was any, There was no encouragement. There was nothing. And you had to see the faces. They were just like... And it was just kind of... You know, I don't care. I don't, you know, see you kind of letter. Okay? And they're all like, and I go, okay, well, now I want to tell you that that's not true. And they're like, what? And I go, this is what I hear coming from you guys about your kids. This is what I hear is going on in your home. You guys are sending this very message to your kids. And you're reaping the fruit of it. Because this is what they hear. You guys go outside because I've got to get these lesson plans done. Oh, my gosh. All right, I've got to do this reading for your education. See, now the kids feel like, well, I'm kind of a bother. She doesn't even really want to do this. He doesn't want to take me to the wood shop to finish my project. I can't even ask him to help me with my history project because he's going to watch the game and he doesn't want me to bother him. What message do we send About our attitude. Of our calling that every one of us believe God has called us to. This pattern of education is great. But I'll tell you what. Without the Lord. I don't want to think about it. Without his strength. Without his motivation. Without everything coming from him. Without his equipping. Without his joy. Ask God to fill you with joy. Ask him to renew your vision. Start your year off. Telling your kids this year is going to be different. It's going to be awesome. I'm so excited about it. You watch the change in your kids. You watch as they sit and anticipate what's coming next. And when you start to lose that, go before God. Renew my passion, Lord, that I might be that example and stand before my kids and that I might set the pace, Lord, that it might glorify you. Because I want, Lord, that my kids, if there's more than caught than taught, let them catch my joy for you. Let them catch my passion for you. Because if we've made amazing mathematicians, if we've made historians that could tell you every event, but they do not know the Lord, they do not walk for him, then we've done nothing. And there's a an uh, actual quote that's in uh, a different message that I have that I want to read to you uh, because because it's coming to me and I can. But it's basically this. It's Woodrow Wilson's. Um, let's see if I can do it without messing it up. <clears throat> um, I would rather fail in a cause that will someday triumph than triumph in a cause that will one day fail. Try Give every ounce to the Lord. Ask him to do it. And when you fail, because you'll have those days, go before God. Give it to him. And watch what he redeems. Because, you know, even in my worst moments when I felt like I was failing the most, God was glorified as I watched what he did to turn the situation around. Lord, I pray that everything that we discussed here would just just sink in, Father, to our hearts. That we would truly, truly come before you, Lord. Be honest about the things that need to change in our home, in our classroom, in our school. Be honest, Father, that we could just bring them to you. Father, give us ears to hear the things that need to change, the areas of strengthening we need to seek. And, Father... Bless the areas of strength that we have. Lord, help us to never be prideful. Help us to always look to you. You've given these precious children to us, Lord. And I pray that every person in here would just leave with at least one thing that would just change and rock their world for you, Father, that they would just know you more. Just go before the rest of the day, Father, as we listen to other speakers and other classes, Lord, that we would just continue to fill up and ready ourselves for the next year. In your precious name, amen. I have one last thing um, before you run out. Um, There's a poem that I want to leave you with, and and it goes like this. It's about our children. They are arrows in your quiver, formed uniquely for your bow. Tender shafts to shape and sharpen. Point them in the way that they should go. Set your sights on things eternal. As God's marksmen aim with care, launch them into life with Scripture, your bowstrings, wings of prayer. It's by Ruth Tatum, and I pray that you guys would be blessed.